0: you all for joining us this is the holland sentinels podcast from the newsroom i'm brian vernellis a digital director here and today i am joined by editor sir leach hello sitting to my left to my right public affairs
1: cops and courts
0: public safety
1: yeah public safety all of we'll the go. above
0: all of the above it changes reporter, hourly
2: <laughs> so true Audrey gamble <laughs> hey
0: Hello, everyone. Thank you all for joining. Uh, I thought we'd take today to do the podcast on a topic that's been (laughs) kind of percolating in the newsroom for the last two weeks, ever since it broke. Uh, It's the story involving uh, Davian Watson. Weston. Weston. Gosh. Davian Weston. Thank you. (laughs) It's going to be a long podcast. (laughs) And uh, he was the suspect... In uh, a case at West Ottawa two weeks ago, mid September. Yeah, September uh, September 13th. Yeah, uh, of bringing a gun to West Ottawa High School.
2: Correct.
0: The school resource officers were able to uh, handle the situation, get him in a patrol car and arrest him. And uh, so we, uh, yesterday, his preliminary hearing yes oh i got it right yeah thank you you, preliminary- you read the news I do. Him so well. <laughs> he had a preliminary hearing yesterday and audra was in court for that i thought we'd start this podcast with that and sure. work backward or maybe we want to go backward and work to yesterday's events
1: we can start with start- with court That's okay whatever you want to do sure
0: so yeah uh you were there
1: i was So a preliminary hearing is kind of the first step after arraignment, and it's basically just a procedure to say, is there enough evidence to kind of bump this over to circuit court in Grand Haven and actually take this to trial? So it's kind of a procedural thing, but sometimes it's the first chance you get to hear kind of the nitty gritty and the details and maybe hear from some witnesses. So it's kind of an important... Um, moment in a court case, especially generally, we're following, you know, more high profile things, assaults, that sort of a thing. Um, So Davian Weston is 17, and he's facing two felony charges, uh, one misdemeanor charge on this case, and then one misdemeanor charge on a separate unrelated case from around the same time frame. Um, And his lawyer asked for him, instead of going through the preliminary exam right now, to have a couple of um, exams done to determine whether he is um, mentally capable of going through court proceedings.
2: And assisting in his defense. Right. Right. right.
0: What was the mood like in the courtroom yesterday?
2: Um, It was definitely tense. (laughs) So, uh,
1: I mean, there's kind of been a lot of scuttlebutt on social media since he was arrested. Uh, it caused a lockdown at West Auto High School for at least half an hour-ish, um, which obviously is scary for parents, students, mm-hmm. school staff. One student posted a video on social media of their teacher barricading the the classroom door with heavy furniture because mm-hmm. they didn't know if there was an active shooter, what, what the situation was. So... Emotions were definitely running high, to say the least. Uh, Davian Weston's attorney was there. Lee Fisher from the prosecutor's office was there. Judge Susan Jonas, right across the street from where our office is at the 58th District Court. Uh, Davian Weston's mother was there as well, Stacy Puente. Um, and a whole lot of media. Yeah, <laughs> so it was um, it was definitely a tense moment. And you know his mother got a little emotional and... I mean, it's it's in reality a very quick sort of procedural thing. It was maybe 10 minutes, maybe, if that. Um, but, you know, there's kind of a lot packed into
2: those quick little things for the people that are involved in the case. Well, and I think one of the more important things that happened at the end of that um, process uh, yesterday was that they asked for his bond to be modified, and that was denied. So you Correct. might you want to explain sure, why yeah. that happened.
1: Yeah, that's a good point, Sarah. So um, basically, the first time that Davian was arrested at West Ottawa High School, he um, he or his mother were not sure who actually provided the funds. Posted five hundred dollars in bond money the next day, and he was released from jail that that Friday. So, so he spent one night at the Ottawa County Jail. Um, there was a fairly Viral video of that, of him coming out that Wood TV filmed, of him munching on some Fritos as he got out of jail. Um, And then Tuesday, so three days later, right, Mm -hmm. he was re-arrested for violating those bond conditions. And Judge Jonas said that that bond violation was that he posted threatening lyrics to one of the students that reported the gun in a rap video. So he was rearrested, and Judge Jonas set his bond at $750,000 cash, which is substantial to say the least. Sure. I certainly wouldn't be able to post that kind of money. Nor I. <laughs> um, and at the, the preliminary hearing yesterday, uh, Davian Weston's attorney tried to get that lowered to something that maybe his family could pay, um, and Judge Jonas said no. The, the hope of the attorney was to have him released basically on house arrest with a GPS monitor. And Judge Jonas said no, that he had already violated his bond conditions once. And it's not like he's going to be allowed back in school. That's already off the table. So she said he needs to stay in jail. And the mom started to cry, which, I mean, it's her mm-hmm. kid, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's the attorney's job to try yeah. for his client to get him out of incarceration.
0: What comes next now?
1: So basically the two things that have been ordered for Davian Weston is he's going to undergo a competency exam, which means is he mentally able to understand and assist in his legal aid of what's going on around him? Does he understand the severity of the charges against him? Does he understand, you know, with, with help from an attorney, like the legal jargon going on, that sort of thing? Um, And then he's also going to go through a criminal responsibility exam, which is based on mental state, potential diagnoses from a doctor or a psychiatrist. Is he responsible for the actions that he may or may not have done at the time of the incident? Right,
2: what was the state of mind when it happened? Right,
1: yeah, so that's two different exams. They can take a while to complete, so until those are done, and a judge reviews the results of them, he's gonna be staying for a little while in Ottawa County Jail. So it could be, my estimate would
2: be maybe a month, but the, I wow. mean, it, it mm-hmm. varies right. pretty significantly. And it's its a really good thing to point out that Michigan is one of four states in the United States that see 17 year olds as legal adults in the eyes of the law. They can be charged as adults when they're right. 17. Right.
0: Uh, Thank you for Mm -hmm. coming in. I wanted to bring you... Sarah
2: Leach with
1: the knowledge. (laughs) Yeah. I just read a story.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to bring you in on this conversation. Uh, That day in particular, um, as an editor, what goes through your mind? Because obviously school shootings are now uh, pretty... Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, it's a part of American life in 2018. Yep. Oh, go ahead.
2: Well, there's a part of you that just in this kind of shocked and awed out culture that we're in these days, that we respond to it like a breaking news situation. No matter what, And you go into automatic crises mode. You're issuing a lot of orders. Uh, We dispatched Audra to the scene. She brought um, another coworker with her just in case... uh, More than one person was needed, depending on what you found when you got there. We had a social media plan in place. We had, um, you know, Audra was communicating with me through Twitter and also through text messages and phone calls. Because we
1: didn't really know what we we were walking into. We weren't sure if it
2: was an active shooter or not. And so that's, you have to just, um, you have to be cautious about what you put out there, too. Because we were trying to understand what was going on. With people who are already in the situation, who are either on the school property or were in contact with people in, that were on the school property, right. and we saw a wide variety of things that were going on. That from everything from they're they're on lockdown and it's not that big of a deal to there's two shooters and one's on the roof and they're going to pick people off at recess, you know, kind of stuff. So I mean, it was all over the place, and you have to be yeah. very careful about. Right. Not putting out information that is going to cause widespread panic if you don't know for it to be true. Right. So we said we, we we knew that it was on lockdown because the school had sent out a Twitter message saying that it had just lifted the lockdown because they don't actually communicate until after it's over. Then we were we, we put that out and said, we are sending somebody to the scene to understand what is going on. So we were just very cautious about the way that we approached that and only reported what we could knew to be true as it materialized.
1: Yeah. And I think sometimes something that people don't understand is when I roll up to a house fire, uh, you know, some sort of lots of power lines down because there's a storm, a murder, uh, anything in between, The last thing in the world (laughs) that any law enforcement officer has time for is talking to media because they're trying to secure the scene, Mm -hmm. they're trying to contact victims' families. You know, we're kind of the last thing on the list. So sometimes we just have to kind of hang in there and be patient Mm -hmm. and wait until something is actually confirmed by someone that has some sort of authority rather than, you know, someone's sister's mom's brother who had a Twitter that maybe saw something from across the street. We yeah. we just can't kind of throw something out until we really hear from an official, right?
0: You mentioned uh, we really have to um, delegate the information mm-hmm. dis- or dis- before we start disseminating the information out there. Um, w- I know on social media from reading the uh, posts to the story and keeping an eye on those. Uh, a couple people uh, more than a couple people were questioning why we named him.
2: Well, that goes back to the law and the fact that his name was publicly released. You know I think that one of the misconceptions about about media is that it's all for the glory of of clicks and trying to get traffic, and that's not really necessarily what the point is of what we do. We're supposed to be providing information that in the the stead of what John Q. Public would be able to have access to. We get a lot of criticism about, and a wide variety of things, about whether or not you should name somebody, whether or not you should include that that particular detail in this case or that case, um, because sometimes it's sensitive information, and we try to look at that on a case-by-case basis, depending on what the story is and whether or not it is something that the public, in general, would find of greater interest in order to understand what's going on. In this particular case, this, as I said, the law views 17-year-olds as being able to be charged with felonies as adults, and his mugshot was also released by the authorities, and so that was publicly available, so anybody could go up to the internet and look that up and get that information. So, if if that's available to us, and if it's, um, you know, if it doesn't really, um, in our view, it, it it allowed people to to have a greater understanding of who this individual was, what the situation was, and what the status of him being charged and going through the system was, then I think that that was perfectly fine to publish.
0: Okay. Uh, Staying on the topic of social media and its relationship (laughs) to this case, uh, both he and his mom, we're on Facebook.
2: Mm. Yes.
0: And we went over this, we re- went through our checklist before we recited, re- decided to record <laughs> about what we wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. And uh, you mentioned social media. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little bit active. He, yeah. He w- yes.
2: This was sort of like the worst case scenario of, of social media kind I- of used in the in my opinion, in the wrong way, that that could pot- potentially make things a lot worse for this person.
0: And I don't, I don't know if you want to talk about this. You were a guest speaker at a Hope College class last mm-hmm. week. Two weeks.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, and you use this as an example of... <laughs>
2: It's sort what of a textbook, yeah. It's sort of a textbook example. So, I, I was invited to talk to a, a communications class at Hope, and this this particular segment that they were working on was about Twitter specifically, but also social social media in general and how newsrooms use it. And this particular case was sort of um, the 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 perfect example of so many things about how. In best practices, how newsrooms use social media to find sources and confirm information. Like I said, the school tweeted out about the lockdown. They sent out a letter to parents that that also was released on on Facebook later. So we were paying attention to those channels to help get information and confirm it and put it in our story initially. But then um, after Davian got charged and he he went home, his his mother started posting on Facebook admitting that it, it was her son What was going through his mind what the situation was she was responding to a lot of comments on our page and other people's pages you know and that that can that can really come back um onto her and i don't i don't think that some people understand that when you're you really want to put your message out there and you want to explain things to people but you know, usually a lawyer in this instance would probably advise you to just stay quiet because anything you say can and will be used against you. And that does include social media, anything that is po- posted publicly and if or even privately. If somebody gets access to it and gets a screenshot of it, that can come back to haunt you as well.
1: Yeah, and I think that in this case... Um you know, that backlash was a, was pretty immediate for mm-hmm. the mother specifically. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, yeah so, it was very unfortunate. Right. All around. So, so she was commenting, um, on some, some various community pages and that sort of thing that, you know, her son was the one that was arrested. I think before we had official confirmation of who it was, I mm-hmm. believe. Um, and you know, that he didn't mean any harm and he wasn't going to shoot anyone. And, and he I, found
2: it in a junkyard and it was in his backpack and right. he forgot about it. And I was just thinking, oh, right. And m- all right, this is going to be bad.
1: Right. All of these <laughs> posts were, were public. You yeah. Know, that little thing where you can select the privacy. Every single right. one of those was, was a public post. And then when he was released from jail that Friday, he started posting about his rap
2: career and, How he wasn't a school shooter and he didn't mean to scare anybody.
1: Yeah, so at this point, I think probably on advice of an attorney, (laughs) um, the mom's page is now private, and then her son's page has been completely deleted and taken down. So... um, we did our due diligence. We still have those screenshots embedded mm-hmm. in our mm-hmm. our stories.
2: If anyone wants to see well, what we're talking and about, and there's another there's another uh, vendor account that came into play too. When he posted this this music rap video after he was released right. the first time, he went to SoundCloud and up and had a friend help him upload yeah, a he, rap video. Right, he
1: has a, he has an account on SoundCloud with or all of SoundCloud, these different. Yeah things with them some fairly vulgar rap lyrics mm-hmm. i think is is yep. fair to say yeah. um and you know that that page is what police saw and and used as evidence to rearrest him so it it definitely is kind of a warning i guess To it's other a cautionary tale right? yes yeah, of for just sure being really aware of what you're posting i mean if
2: and that legally you're an adult in right. the eyes of the law right. you know when you're 17 you should know better according to the michigan legislature right
0: well audrey you are all over this case all <laughs> over this story from day one and yeah uh, i'm most impressed by the way you were able to juggle the entire situation and um, cops reporters will always <laughs> be <laughs> like that upper echelon of reporter
1: because
0: oh, <laughs> i've known quite a few and they are uh, a different breed so
1: Well, I mean, I think it's always just a little bit of a balancing act of you see something on social media, it kind of does it pass the smell test of this sounds ridiculous or Mm -hmm. is this legit? And then trying to use those sort of relationships that you've made in different police departments, fire departments, all that kind of thing to get some sort of confirmation. And sometimes I will, you know, we'll get a tip from a reader about Hey, we saw X on our street and we want to know what's going on. We think it was, you know, some drug bust and then I I ask the police and they say, Well, actually someone had a stroke and we were just helping, yeah, you know. So
2: yeah.
1: I mean, it's always great to ask those questions and please feel free to email us or send us messages on Facebook if you do have something you think we should look at. Um, but just be warned that sometimes it's not necessarily
2: what you think is actually happening? Mm-hmm. And I think that just from um, just from the perspective of if this were somebody that I knew, I would not by by explaining the why or why this or to rationalize why this was not a, a, a big issue. You have to be careful because in the eyes of prosecutors, you are confirming that it happened, and that's already a bad step. <laughs> because that, a lot of people say, "Well, that didn't happen," or you know, a lot of evidentiary issues happen where yeah. evidence is not, you know, being able to be used or sure. whatever. But by basically admitting that it happened and here's why, you're already establishing a sure. lot of things that otherwise the prosecution might not have been able to really be able to 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 put on for the record. Yeah. You know, I,
1: I did want to mention we do have a couple of kind of loose ends here that oh we're still kind of looking into. That's true, Yep. Um, this is so, an octopus story. Yeah, really there are a lot is. of tentacles. <laughs> um, so I wanted to mention that earlier I said that that uh, Davian Weston has a couple of court cases against him. So what I mean by that is he has one court case for allegedly bringing a gun to school. Mm-hmm. Um, that one, he's being charged with two felonies and one misdemeanor up to 10 years in prison. I mean, these are serious charges. charges. Yep. Um, the other... Court case against him is for allegedly stealing pepper spray from the Meyer on West Shore Drive. Um, the day before he brought the gun to
2: school. Totally so, forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, like, like Sarah yeah, said, so this un- is an it's octopus. unknown whether or not those are even. Uh, we, I mean, at this point, they're unrelated, but right. I mean, we yeah. just don't know,
1: right? And so that one is is also a misdemeanor. So in total, two felonies, two misdemeanors that mm-hmm. he's facing right now. Mm-hmm. So that's the one thing I wanted to point out, and then the other thing is it's still a little fuzzy where he actually got this gun from. Um, the gun is stolen. One of the charges is being in possession of a stolen firearm. They ran, the police ran the serial number of the gun through their system. It's called Lean, and it is stolen out of Wisconsin. I don't know where that journey is from Wisconsin to in the hands of Davian Weston. Um, we did get a court document from an Ottawa County Sheriff's Office detective kind of retroactively getting approval for the arrest warrant. And in that document, um, the detective says that, you know, it's kind of a lot of teenagers saying, well, I think I saw this. I, you know, Mm. that sort of a thing. But there may have been a gun trade going on that we haven't been able to confirm yet that it's, that Davian may have stolen a different Gun. This is what it says in the court document, which he then traded for this 38 caliber one that was stolen out of Wisconsin. So we're not sure, and the sheriff's office has declined to answer if this other first gun exists, mm-hmm. and if so, where it is now, and so, also
2: who that other individual might have been. It, right. it was not clear as to whether or not that was an adult or a student. Right. Wow. So
1: we're definitely still kind of following this, and and we'll be following more court
2: proceedings and all that good stuff so
0: and on that note i think we'll wrap it up final thoughts guys
2: i think that this is just one for the books
0: (laughs) all right there we go (laughs) what a great way to wrap it up a lot of outs (laughs) yeah 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 so on behalf of audrey gamble and sarah leach i'm brian vernellis thank you all for listening and we'll see you next time on from the newsroom